0: Hi, I'm David Manty, and welcome to a new episode of the Today in Manufacturing podcast. With me today are Anna Wells and Jeff Franke. We each have about 15 years covering the manufacturing industry. Every week, we take the five biggest stories on our websites and discuss the implications they might have on the industry going forward. Before we get started, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You could also help us out a lot by giving the podcast a positive review on whatever platform you use. Finally, if you want to email the podcast, you can reach any of us at Jeff, Anna, or David at IEN.com with email, the podcast, in the subject line. How you guys doing this week? Missed you last week. Good to yeah. have you back, man. Yeah. yeah. We right.
1: kind of thought you would like call in or something.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, if I was in an area with any service, possibly, but it's just... uh your phone is bricked, and life is good when you're up there. That's nice. Yeah, no, but uh happy to be back. But uh Zal crushed it last week.
1: Yeah, Zal is good.
0: Mm-hmm. I also kind of want him to do like audiobooks. because I, yeah. I can I could just listen to his acerbic, soothing tone at length.
1: <laughs> Except for he would stop like every few lines and be like, "Really?"
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. No one
1: would say that.
0: <laughs> yeah, especially creative nonfiction, where you just get a lot of, oh, sure. If you're yeah. into that. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Our first story this week, Peloton flaw allows hackers to watch users. The Peloton Bike Plus is vulnerable, and users were recently warned of a security threat that allows hackers to control the touchscreen and steal information. What's worse is that they can even watch riders as they sit and spin. McAfee discovered the flaw, which allows access to the bike screen where hackers install fake apps and trick users into providing login information. The bright side is that the issue only affects lower cost bikes primarily used in public spaces. Hackers need to physically access the screen using a USB drive with malicious code. I was also interested to see that the low end bike that it affects is still three grand, Anna. Mm hmm. It is uh Peloton's having a really bad year so far.
1: It really has. Um I mean, for, first of all, the story I thought was funny a little bit at least because isn't the Peloton bike experience where you're like live streaming your workout anyway to other people? Yeah. Yeah. So, if this hacker just had $3,000, they could just buy a Peloton and watch you work out already.
0: Anyways, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's the big deal? Yeah, not threatened <laughs> prosecution either. Right. But it's a pricey bike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit more expensive than the USB drive.
1: It is. But back to Peloton's mixed bag of a year. Mm -hmm. So fitness equipment sales are through the roof, as we know. Um, But Peloton famously had to recall its treadmills in the U.S. after dozens of injuries and one death due to a design flaw. um, the, The device was actually capable of ensnaring people, pets, limbs, like... It was bad, and, and this did a number on the company's stock, which is still down like 20% from six wow. months ago. So think about that in, in the kind of environment that, that fitness equipment is, is having a good year, you know? So that's, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now this, which I think is maybe an overblown story. I mean, the fact that you have to, you'd have to like be in a gym yeah, with physically. like a USB drive mm-hmm. installing a mo- malware, you know, that that's, seems unlikely. Mm-hmm. Um, But it's a security flaw nonetheless, and bad news for Peloton, I think. Further bad news.
0: Right. I feel like you might see this hacker coming a mile away, like the nefarious type walking into the gym with just something clutched in his hand. It's like, he's not wearing sweats. He's wearing a black leather jacket. Uh, Jeff, what do you think this has to say about, you know, cybersecurity in general? And it seems like everything's really vulnerable right now. Yeah, I don't know which part of this is worse, like the creep
2: factor of somebody Mm -hmm. watching somebody else work out or the fact that they're trying to steal all this personal data. Like two very sort of unsettling elements. I think it's
0: definitely the first. Yeah, (laughs) it's like that's weird. Like when I found out that it was so I mean, it's creepy. You know, you could watch the person, but it's like,
1: who does that? But I mean, it's so we know that the flaw means that's capable Mm -hmm. of happening. But is anyone really doing that? I think
2: so. You know, oh, there has the, to be if they're if they're making a point of saying that's possible, there yeah. is some sort of whatever <laughs> out there, t- t- like going after it. So yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, I think one of the things this kind of speaks to too. I mean, Peloton is kind of about customizing that experience as well when you're working out, doing different things, having you know that person in front of you, encouraging you, motivating you, all that kind of stuff. Over really the last probably five years, that's been such an, a trend, such an mm-hmm. uptick in everything. Customized for the user, you know, we talk about manufacturing to order now and stuff like that, how that's impacting production models and, and um, supply chain and stuff like that. So at some point, though, if if you do want things so highly customized, that means that data is being held someplace, it's being accessed, it's, being, it's out there potentially for somebody to grab onto. So as we get into this sort of social trend of everything being special and customized as much as it possibly can, which we all like, mm-hmm. we also have to be aware that that data is vulnerable now. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going after any type of piece of information they can possibly garner. Now here, it would take a little bit of a proactive approach from the user. They would have to input some information because it's like a phony app that pops up on the screen, mm. but still... Um, I think it's sort of two trends that are rising at the same level but definitely working in contrast to each other. We want it just for us, but then we're given all that data out there and it becomes vulnerable to these types of hacks. Mm-hmm. So it's it's more than just um, – you know, Peloton and exercise equipment, this kind of says a bigger issue, I think, going forward with a lot of these
0: types of products. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, McAfee and Peloton partnered on to create a mandatory software update to fix the problem. And uh, McAfee also took the opportunity to, like, scold people. Or, you know, it was a teachable moment. You know, you could, they said, quote, stay on top of software updates from device manufacturers. And at first I thought, "Can't tell me what to do. But then I remembered like three laptops ago, didn't do any of the updates, mm-hmm. bricked that thing.
1: McAfee loves to tell you what to do. They're so condescending with their little square that pops up and tells yeah. you like, you're <laughs> at risk. Continue yeah. to be at risk and you have to click that.
0: Yeah. Uh, did you uh, not possibly miss my next note, which says... Enough with the damn pop-ups already.
1: I know. Sorry. You're, I did miss it.
0: Oh no. You're paying for it though. I, no. Just I'm, don't don't pay for McAfee then. I'm not I'm not. I know that's want why to. they're reminding us. Yep. They're saying, "Hey, in case you missed it, you're at risk because mm-hmm. no. you're not paying." And uh, See, I, I, I pay for it. I got the subscription, it, just, oh, yeah? it works great. Yeah. And uh, does it keep switching you to secure search also? Oh, no. Yeah, like... Uh, that is a pain. Yeah, so yeah. a random update always switches me out of Chrome into Secure Search. And I don't want your worse-than-bing search on my <laughs> laptop, you know? It's, yeah. no, that is a pain. I would agree. That sucks. Yeah, so I did like how they, uh, you know, they took a, an opportunity to make it a teachable moment for people, which, you know, while I gripe on it, it is important to do those updates to make everything run smoothly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the member of Geek Squad definitely laughed at me because he's like, I just did the updates.
2: so I did kind of think it was funny that both of you sort of gravitated towards the same thing. Like, I'll do it when I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me to be better.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. I'll be the worst. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> That's my right.
0: Yeah. What's, <laughs> uh, you know, you just stay away from nefarious websites and you should be fine, right?
1: <laughs> nefarious <laughs> websites. Uh,
0: Moving on, our next story this week, 40 cows escape slaughterhouse. A gate at a meatpacking facility was accidentally left open in Pico Rivera, California, a community southeast of L.A. Around 7.30 p.m., 40 cows escaped and made a run for it into the suburbs about a mile away from the facility. One cow had to be killed after it charged a family and knocked them to the ground. They sustained minor injuries. Officers on horseback helped wrangle the cows and get them back to the facility. However, only 38 made it back. One was put down, but Anna, one elusive cow, remains on the land. The ringleader. Where's that cow?
1: This is the best story of all time because it is super weird. Mm -hmm. So it was weird enough when we ran it the other day, but there's been some fun development since. So as you mentioned, one cow was still unavailable at the time of printing. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So anyway um you can't hide out for long in an LA suburb if you're a cow mm-hmm. I don't think um so this cow was eventually spotted in a park which was actually like several miles away from the slaughterhouse um obviously the cow was surrounded by vehicles then they and tracked then, it down yeah and then an employee of the meatpacking plant tried to lasso it oh
0: uh. well
1: it was quote tangled in a small tree <laughs> what <laughs> what is wow. happening yeah, yeah. um so after the cow was apprehended, which it was, um, it gets way weirder. So we have since learned that Grammy-winning songwriter Diane Warren, who wrote If I Could Turn Back Time and Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now, some <laughs> hot favorites from oh, the 80s. classics. She has stepped in to facilitate allowing the animal to be taken to a sanctuary to live out the rest of its life. She's, like, working with the city mm-hmm. um, and the uh, the facility that it escaped from. So – Meanwhile, a vigil has been held outside of Manning Beef um, Mm -hmm. where activists are asking that all of the cows that escaped be released to sanctuary. Um,
0: Wow.
2: Because that's what meatpacking plants are all about.
0: But, okay. So that's actually, uh, do you guys remember the St. Louis Six? So it, like, in 2017, same thing. Star Packing Company in Missouri. Uh, six renegade bovines mm-hmm. break out and they're running loose in St. Louis, Missouri, downtown. It was a thing; it, capt- it was a media sensation because they were eluding animal control workers and uh, and police. You know, I don't know about the lassoing, though. I hope they were all trying to lasso I
1: hope that they map. were lassoed. But at a minimum,
0: yeah. So it you know created this media storm, and then instead of going back to the packing plant, this nonprofit called the Gentle Barn raised four hundred thousand dollars to buy a 24 acre farm for the cows. And now 5 of the 6 cows live at the Gentle Barn Sanctuary, which also has sanctuaries in California and Tennessee. So that's not that crazy. Like if I just heard that, you know, you know this random two-hit wonder was just mm-hmm. trying to find sanctuary for these people. Oh, but
1: more it, than two hits, David.
0: Oh, <laughs> just the writer, come on now. <laughs> well, it's uh so I was just it's crazy. Like uh there's real incentive to try and break out cows.
1: I, I guess. And I, I mean, I don't know. As the podcast resident vegetarian, um, even I am kind of like, well, I, like, are are all these people that are calling for the release of these cows, like, do they not eat cows or use leather? Because remember, there's a lot of other ones.
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's just this no, we're the just, same. we just want to save these 40 yep. or 38. You go about your business. Yeah.
1: We will not bother you after this just today.
0: Uh, Jeff. Who's in charge of locking that gate? <laughs>
2: yeah. we, go, we go from like this huge data intrusion to now somebody forgot to lock the gate and the cows got out. Yeah. yeah. Are, are you going down the like the conspiracy theory um, approach? Oh, here? that the like, cows are
1: being like instructed to try to escape by some ringleader? Yeah.
2: Or like, people people let the cows out.
0: Oh, trying to free them. Yeah, was that what I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I guess we'll have to wait to see like for the uh, steady cam footage. Of like the great breakout of the uh, where are we now the uh, I think LA somebody 40? just forgot to flip the latch.
2: Yeah. I think that's
0: pretty much what happened here. But um,
2: the one thing, though, when they talk about like freeing these cows, this is like a couple of hundred thousand dollars in beef mm-hmm. rolling down the street mm-hmm. here. So from an economic perspective, I'm pretty sure this company wants these cows back just for that reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a lot going on. Plus, I mean, we've, with all the pandemic stuff, there has been sort of a run-on beef. Huge I mean, there is a shortage of yeah. it right now. So even though it's only 40 cows, I mean, to this facility – it's a big deal. Mm. What I'm kinda of curious about too is how did these cows get a mile mm-hmm. like into town without nobody noticing? Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive, like yeah, just right there. Cause cows, and I, and mean, I
1: am picturing it in slow-mo with nothing's gonna stop us now playing. <laughs>
0: That would be fantastic, because that yeah. would be apropos. Right? So nothing's going to stop us now. Is what plays during the escape. Yeah, and then as they're being slowly all walked back in, it's if I could turn back time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jeff, that's an interesting point though, because so I'm I have a little familiar, familiarity with cow escapes because I grew up on a hobby farm where we, were, we raised beef, and then my father-in-law recently retired to a beef farm. He retired and decided to work twice that's as hard. That's harder work. It yeah, is. Whoa. It's way harder work. But, you know, some hiccups along the way. His first uh, group of beef sprung loose. And uh, he's right on a major interstate, Highway 50 in, like, uh, southern Wisconsin. And all of a sudden, people started calling, like, Yo, Marv, uh are those your cows running along the highway? Because it's not... I think sometimes people see a cow and they're just like... I mean, that must... That must... That should be there, right? Because otherwise someone would be paying attention to it. But, like... He needed the community to rally together uh, to, like, block these cows off with trucks. Well, once they get get going, who's going to get in the way? No, I I mean, mean, other than this family of four, I don't know. (sighs) Rough one. Don't be heroes, family.
1: Yeah, don't approach the cow.
0: Yeah, it's – either way, it was was a fascinating story, and I – also, really enjoyed looking for stock footage of cows running.
2: I do want to see the cops on horseback lassoing this cows. I mean, it seems like
0: straight out of blazing saddles or something. I mean, yeah, I was thinking city slickers. Yeah. I was thinking like they got the call and they're like, now's our time.
1: <laughs> Surround <laughs> this that cow force. with Let's, cars and lasso yeah, it. It's this, stuck in a tree.
0: Yeah, it's not their ordinary beat on the uh, walking path along the water. All right, our third most popular story this week. SpaceX warned about breaking laws in Texas. In South Texas, SpaceX was warned that it could be violating state laws by shutting down public beaches and using unlicensed <clears throat> unlicensed security guards to clear roads. The company has been using large amounts of land for building and testing. The actions could open up the company and employees to arrest and prosecution. The warning follows littered shrapnel found on local beaches, and a series of road closures and other traffic, traffic jams. SpaceX has shut down beaches for about 30, 385 hours, the equivalent of more than 16 days throughout the first six months in 2021, despite only being allowed 300 year, hours per year. Anna, SpaceX is just going to do what SpaceX is going to do.
1: Another example of an Elon Musk company that just bucks the rules. Yeah. They bucks, do not right? care.
0: Ugh. Oh. Bucks the rules. Yep. Okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> yep. Um, I thought this was an interesting update on the issue of SpaceX and how they operate in Boca Chica because it seems that they've been having problems with the town's residents for some time now. Mm-hmm. Um, the Wall Street Journal ran a report earlier this spring that kind of characterized SpaceX as a bully. Um, and these, mm-hmm. this is coming from the residents there. They said that SpaceX acts like it owns the place and... Um, these people are saying that SpaceX is trying to buy up their homes under market value, and as usually happens with these kind of situations, there are some holdouts, and they're kind of angry about the position that they've been put in. Um, Evidence also suggests that SpaceX's plan may be to incorporate kind of a company town, Mm -hmm. um, which is sort of an antiquated idea, but um, uh, they would be able to potentially exercise eminent domain if they did that, which would give them a lot more control kind of over operations regulatory stuff um closing down roads things Mm -hmm. like that um and to be fair to spacex i think you know they are worried about having people living that close to a rocket launch site um, from a safety risk perspective but also from a liability standpoint i would assume so there's more to be seen here i'm sure that those uh residents maybe appreciate the fact that spacex is being warned Mm -hmm. um but yeah, it's not the first time or last time that they're probably going to run into trouble with the local ordinances.
0: Uh, Jeff, what do you think is uh, SpaceX's next move? Well, first of all, I don't understand
2: why it took so long. Mm-hmm. They've been launching stuff for two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really, it goes back even further than that. When Musk was buying, he was sending people solicitations. I mean, we even get these in the mail sometimes, right? Like, we're interested in buying your house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he bought a lot of these places overvalue. Mm-hmm. Well, it stands to reason, right? They get their stuff's falling in your front yard. Yeah, the market value is going to go down a little bit, so I understand why these residents are upset. But how did it take so long for law enforcement to get involved and sort of not come to the rescue but start scolding them a little bit mm-hmm. as to what they were doing? So it, it, the timing just seems weird to me, especially when you figure in that Elon Musk just moved to Texas himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're building this huge gigafactory just outside of austin which they got like 60 million dollars in tax breaks for from the state of texas so how much who has more clout here oh yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean who what is this is this more to appease those residents so law enforcement saying hey we got your back we're not just going to let them run all over the place but at the same time we kind of
0: are because Mm -hmm. i got i picked up the like lip service vibe a little bit because it sounds like you know while they did use those uh strong arm tactics to get the mostly retiree community out of there, those people have been replaced <laughs> they, they with they weren't strong arm tactics. This was I think initially a, it was not. Correct. I think that's like the remaining people. It's like uh the second wave and third wave of Foxconn through Wisconsin. Um, well, to
2: me, it feels more like okay, we knew you told we told you we were gonna build this place. Yeah. We offered you more than what your property was worth, understanding you have the complete right not to sell, but we're here now. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean you got to be a crappy neighbor, yeah, but
0: you knew it was coming. But either way, people have moved out, and the people that have moved in are musk like fanboys. They're like murals to the guy there. So I, that's why I thought it was kind of lip service. and also to your point about, uh, so according to Texas Monthly, uh, they wrote, "For better or worse, Boca Chica belongs to Elon now." He's, come, he's even come up with the new name for the town, which he said was going to be Starbase Texas. I saw that. That is just... I mean, I get it. It's cool. Like, uh, Boca Chica's got a cool, cool ring to it, but it's not Starbase. And I mean, we previously questioned what they're going to do with the debris cleanup, but employees are putting themselves on the line here. If the police actually make good on these threats, these are employees that are going to be arrested. I mean, the company might face some sort of fines, but I'm not going to... It's like at some point when I'm uh, if I'm working the crew that's shutting down the road and they're like, we're going to arrest you if you don't move. I'm just like, all right, see Mm you. I'm going to back up.
1: Yeah. But if you're like an old man that's lived there for a really long time and you hear this stuff like Elon Musk is renaming your town and he's going to, you know, like he owns it now. And like that makes you so mad. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're already a holdout, like this does not help the situation. He should be. I know it's hard for him to exercise humility, but he needs to keep his mouth shut and, like, try to be diligent through the situation. I don't think the the solution is to, like, be brash mm-hmm. via the media and via social media.
0: Um, and Jeff, to your other point about are they really going to do anything about it, when Musk came out and said it's going to be Starbase, Texas, uh, the Texas Monthly mentioned that local officials gently reminded the billionaire that he had to ask permission first. So (laughs) he comes out and says, and they're like, hey, 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 just ask. (laughs) I guess, yeah. Yeah. Boca
2: Chica is a weird name for a town that owns like space exploration company. True. It does definitely sound like a retirement community more than cutting edge technology. Than Starbase.
0: Starbase is a little over the top, but I mean... They're not, Elon's not a subtle guy. It's true. It's true.
2: <laughs> but I'm glad Anna wants to rein him in a little bit, you know. I hopefully he will take some of that advice and be like, you know what, I do need to calm
1: down. Yeah, he said, he's going to be like, I was listening to the Today in Manufacturing podcast as I do every Monday. And, you know, they brought up some good points about my attitude. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, we would just crush the reviews at that point. <laughs> uh, our second most popular story on the site this week a union leader killed by a truck driving through picket line. The leader of a labor union was killed in Northern Italy after he, after he was hit by a truck that broke through a picket line outside a warehouse facility. About 20 people who worked for Lytle, an international supermarket chain, were protesting outside the facility when a truck driver, trying to leave the facility, drove through a line of picketers blocking the gate. A 37-year-old worker was dragged for several yards the driver was jailed for alleged vehicu- vehicular. Mi- the driver was jailed for vehicular homicide. Two other protesters were also hit by the truck and suffered minor injuries. The picketers were pushing for better working conditions. And Jeff, I just don't believe this is what they were pushing for. Yeah, this is horrible.
2: This is gruesome. man alive? Mm-hmm. It goes on to say the driver actually did like leave, sped away. Yeah, must have had sort of an attack of conscience and, and came back and. You know, was working with law or author- legal authorities and stuff. Um, yeah, I think the the incident itself sort of sp- speaks for itself. There's there's not a lot more to say there. What is interesting when you look at how do you say little? Lytle? I think it's Lytle. Lidl could be easily wrong. Not as big here in the U S. They mm-hmm. use kind of an Aldi type of model. If you're familiar with them here in mm-hmm. the U S., sort of a, a lower cost, sort of discount. Um, grocery chain store but there are like 12,000 locations across the world okay about a hundred here in the. US I did do some comparisons when we look at Pick and say which is a regional grocery chain around here. Lytle's uh, pay is probably about a buck an hour less for a lot of entryway, entry level positions, and for managers, upwards of like almost ten thousand dollars a year less oh, wow. for salaries. So, there is something to be said for some of what they were looking to do. Now, those are U.S. numbers. Not sure exactly how that translates to Italy and other places of the world, but there you could definitely see how there may be more tension mm-hmm. in that type of environment if they were able to look at other competitors, saying, "We just we want to come on par with what the market is offering." other individuals within our sort of job skills or requirements or operating environment. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, really hard there. But, um, yeah, we'll see if there's a continued fallout from this and what happens to this truck driver.
0: Well, a couple of weeks ago, Anna, we were talking about how um, other workers are looking at uh, disrupting labor or striking. But I think we have to sometimes step back and realize that there are risks with that behavior
1: yeah i mean you know today public feeling towards labor unions is is more positive than it's been in like five decades i just saw a report about this it's like people's feeling sentiments toward big business is Mm -hmm. really low right now but towards organized labor is very high um more than half of those surveyed said they'd vote for a a union in their own workplace however only 11 percent are currently represented by one now
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um you know, we talked about this before right now um, with the, the labor shortage. You know, labor has a little bit of leverage right now. Um, people are feeling positively about organized labor. So if the push is there, we'll potentially see more demonstrations, I think. Um, though striking has always been a little bit more contentious. I think not everyone agrees with that practice. Mm-hmm. Um, But we got to be like on the lookout for more of this, I would think. I mean, lo- look at what could be on the cusp um You know, with Amazon, the Teamsters Union just announced that they're ready to put effort, money into going really full bore on this overarching national strategy to try to unionize Amazon workers. Um, And they said uh, the term they used for their approach, they said, you you can't go facility by facility. You have to take this approach of, quote, shop floor militancy. Oh, um alluding to striking not just at warehouses but also in city streets Mm. so we've seen some high profile strikes recently 7up volvo um and i think folks need to be on alert you know there are crazy people everywhere with an axe to grind it it wasn't clear to me if this was an accident or not um but you know
2: it seemed to be an accident. Yeah. But again, like you said, these can be high pressure situations. Mm-hmm. People get contentious. Who knows what kind of crap the guy took, maybe driving into the, the facility. Exactly, yeah. Um, that type of thing. And I think it's interesting you bring that up, that sentiment about unions, because when when we look at where manufacturing has grown recently, we're looking at Alabama, Mississippi, South Carolina. These are states that were very non union friendly. Mm-hmm. Right In other words, work, a yeah. lot of these folks went there. Indiana's another one, had a big right to work battle. Um, companies were drawn because there was not as strong of a union presence there. Mm -hmm. And like we look at um, the facility in South Carolina there. um, That's a Volkswagen facility, I believe. They've had a number of votes there, and the union continues to be defeated. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this sort of turns, because like you said, there is a labor shortage right now. Mm -hmm. Labor does have an upper hand right now to sort of get back some of those gains that, real or perceived, they may have lost over the years.
0: I'm not sure if I mentioned it, but the truck driver was actually from a third-party supplier, not one of the company's vehicles. So um, if there was, if they were contentious towards him, um, I mean, I don't know if that's unfounded, but another union leader said both the fatally injured union leader and the truck driver were both victims of labor tensions. So, uh, you know, recognizing that, I mean, while at fault, he could also be a victim from uh, this hostile situation. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, either way, very sad story. He was only 37. Ugh. It's just terrible. Our top story this week. Shocking development in weed-killing business. What's the development? It's, it's got to be shocking. <laughs> it's got to be shocking. Nolan, welcome to the team, and welcome to the clickbait party. Small robot company has three new robots, and they're actually named Tom, Dick, and Harry. The robots eliminate weeds with fewer chemicals and improve soil quality by zapping weeds to death. That's the shocking part. They call it per... Yeah. Yeah, no, it's just I really want to hammer that home. They call it per-plant farming and it sends a current through the roots of the plant, through the soil, and then back up, which completely destroys the weed. The robots ignore plants that don't pose a threat to crops. Tom can scan 49... acres per day dick does the zapping harry plants the new seeds small robot has reportedly raised 9.9 million dollars and hopes to launch this full system by 2023 and i already want them to succeed because they obviously have a sense of humor
1: (laughs) yeah i mean i like the i (laughs) i like the idea of fewer chemicals yeah. Do. I mean, we cut our lawn. That's the extent of it. Nothing else happens to it after that. Yeah. I mean, my kids like make potions out of weeds and rocks and dirt and stuff. So mm-hmm. that's our lawn maintenance program.
0: Yeah. A little bit of like dandelion wine.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. Um, I guess my question is how this impacts the surrounding ecosystems. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it says that it avoids you know it it just only goes towards the what invasive weeds and it ignores the non-invasive plants but um like there has to be collateral damage right like i mean there's there always is birds butterflies bees i mean we Mm -hmm. have a bee problem Mm -hmm. like i know that's you know like if i don't know it's it's valid because if
2: you're if you're killing a plant there is some sort of insect, whether it's destructive or positive or whatever. From, mm-hmm. our, from our perspective, something eats that bug. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then there is that, that ripple effect that, yeah, you definitely have to be aware of whenever you start messing
0: with agriculture. Well, Dick, I, yeah. Dick kills the weed, but then Harry comes in, drops a new seed in. Okay, Efficiency. But,
1: yeah, but, I mean, you can't tell me that, like— uh, a bug can withstand an electrical pulse. like no, it's probably gonna- that. and even like field animals that play an important role in like the food chain in the agricultural environment, like what happens to like them? I don't know. It just seems like a lot could happen there. And also, I don't know. I mean, what like, what's the extent of the pulse? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. we know that like, fracking is now causing like earthquakes to occur like do we know what yeah, we're allegedly. doing some sort of I,
0: allegedly some sort of uh, so you're talking about like a, a kind of a butterfly effect
1: i don't um, know i mean it's just something to discuss i don't know yeah. that we should just be like one and done on this one like okay go for it
0: yeah well i mean the other thing is that sure there are probably less chemicals going directly onto the plant but mm-hmm. these are still robots machines industrial machines ro- going up and down every roll with different types of lubricants and so
1: everything's already getting killed anyway
0: well no i mean like it's it's still an industrial machine out there in the plant possibly dropping stuff out there
2: you're never going to stop farmers from killing weeds yeah Yeah. this is this is what they battle against Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so in terms of an approach if you're going to be doing this and going after the weeds which i can appreciate this seems like a really smart way to do it because it is less um potentially hostile to the to the environment and it's not such a blanket approach approach. Yeah. yeah um i like looking at i was surprised how fast It can actually move and detect and and do what it's going to do. So, Because at first I was thinking, especially when you look at the name, Small Robot Company, I'm thinking something crawling around, what's Mm -hmm. it really going to accomplish. But, I mean, it's a fairly good-sized unit and could probably um, get through a field in pretty good time. So I think it's a cool idea. The one thing that I was wondering about, though, is if you're shooting an electric charge into something like right before we got all this rain here, it was super dry. Mm -hmm. Like how is this not like a fire hazard in some – situations that would be my bigger concern Mm -hmm. yeah
0: is it's great to kill the weeds let's (laughs) let's not
2: burn the whole crop down
0: yeah but overall cool idea and it is kind of a look at how more automation is going into agriculture Mm -hmm. where they're using machine vision to know when uh uh fruits and vegetables are absolutely ripe uh uh and programming cobots to be able to uh pick them at every you know uh, sort of just in time or at the perfect time every time, so that way mm-hmm. uh, you don't just have hundreds of workers out there uh, picking the entire crop. It's sort of you know uh, more efficient, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think similar to uh, you know the uh the smelling drone at the waste facility a couple of weeks ago. Just I think letting that one go. Right? I think it's a step in the right direction, <laughs> and I don't think the pulse is enough to start a wildfire. Hopefully. Or an earthquake, but yeah, those are good follow-up questions. No,
1: I, I mean, I'll take your point. Like, if the alternative is, you know, these really harsh crop dusting pesticides, you know? yeah, then yeah, I mean, it's worth exploring for yeah.
0: sure. Um, and you know, I understand about the small animals and stuff, but with the, uh, you know, when they kill the weed, and if there was any collateral damage bug wise, mm-hmm. you know, that might help enrich the soil also. Um, just because it would, you know, they're killing the weed, not with a chemical. It's going back into the soil. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be a benefit. Um, so what I found interesting was that Tom came first in April. And he's currently on three farms. But Dick and Harry are still in the prototype stage. And it's going to be like an as-a-service sort of deal. Like you're not just going to buy Tom, Dick, and Harry. Oh, sure. okay. But they'll come and for $560 for every two and a half acres, they'll work your land. That's so-
1: Sounds like a good deal.
0: It's a good deal, and it might not, you know. So are, do you know, are these things battery-powered? Are they electric? I don't
2: know. Because I always thought agriculture is a great venue also for electric vehicles. Yeah. Because um, the, the demand is pr- it's rigorous, but it's straightforward. You know exactly what you're getting mm-hmm. in terms of terrain and stuff like that. So if we can incorporate that into this type of technology as well, I think yeah. that's a huge win.
0: Or maybe even uh, some sort of solar power. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on to our next segment. In case you missed it, The stories that were not as popular on the websites, but stand to make a big impact on the industry going forward. Uh, Anna, what was your In Case You Missed It this week?
1: Uh, In case you missed it, don't buy a car right now. (laughs) Unless you absolutely have to. Yeah. Uh, This week we ran a story sourced from the AP that claims that um, some used vehicles now cost more than their original sticker price. Oh my goodness. I know, that's really hard to even get your mind around, right? Yeah. Um, So according to the story, the average price of a used car has gone up 30% this year. Mm -hmm. So while this phenomenon of selling over sticker price is generally applied to um, very high-demand vehicles like pickup trucks, um, it still isn't cheap to get yourself really any old used car. So it sounds like dealerships are working in this bubble, and they're overpaying for inventory because they cannot get new inventory. I mean, we know about this semiconductor shortage. Uh, automakers are having a really hard time getting around that to pump out the vehicles that they need to sell. So um, I guess my point here, the lesson is, is that there is, this is an excuse to keep driving your old beater. Yeah, You, know, like the, <laughs> you like, don't have to like apologize for it. Yeah. The time is is now, just keep running that thing.
0: As people that have bought cars to only run them into the ground, this is our time. hmm uh, I know. No, it is, uh, I think it's interesting. And I was also, when I read this, I was also wondering, could this be, Jeff? Could this be what gets car sharing services off the ground? Oof.
2: Still no, still no. From I, I don't no. think so. I don't. I mean, it's it's a good thought. Yeah. I just think there's a certain independence that car owners have, and giving that up would be tough. I think, and I guess maybe for new drivers, that's that's something that could could grow in
0: popularity. It already has. Mm-hmm. I boy. But if you're maybe. in the market, say your car right now. Say you have that beater that you 've driven into the ground, and the market is so crazy right now, maybe you look and think and maybe even as a bridge you you do car sharing i don't know I, see this is so
2: the that construct is so foreign to me because like I just want my car so whenever I need to go get something you just go yeah mm-hmm. and if you're if you're in a routine or you have a lifestyle where you know I just you know I just need the car to go to moms at thanksgiving or once in a while I need to head someplace else and it's sort of a given structure when you actually need that car then yes I mm-hmm. would agree and I think that's where a lot of those like smaller smart car types of developments are, have come from Could this help boost car sharing you would th- actually you know you would think it would especially in urban areas mm-hmm. where people are looking it's crazy to park it's crazy to own a car all that kind of stuff so yeah I could see this inventory run definitely having an impact there Mm -hmm. or kind of what Anna alluded to people just holding on to cars for a long time cars are already older on average than they ever have been Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so and that's part of that is because they're made better part of it is now economic factors Mm -hmm. what I always wonder too and I look at these and not to get too far off topic is what got the automakers in trouble was making too many cars And not selling enough of them. Mm -hmm. And there was an over demand, um, oversupply, not enough demand. They were basically giving cars away to rental companies and stuff like that, selling them at a loss. When all of this starts to even out a little bit more, they can get ramped up. I just hope they don't go back to the same situation. I think some of this, you don't want it to this extreme where a three-year-old car is worth more now than it was before. I mean, that's definitely going the wrong direction. You just hope they don't
0: overcorrect when
2: they see some of these factors.
0: And I think part of the problem is that as a result of the pandemic, people are still really hesitant to use car, use car services like Uber, Lyft, mm-hmm. or even rent cars.
1: I think that's true. And um, we it was documented at the beginning of the pandemic that in urban areas, people were lo- using mass transit less and mm-hmm. buying bikes, scooters, cars, people that had never owned cars before were buying cars. Um, I don't know how much of an impact that had on demand um, because that, feels like maybe more of like a a blip scenario but to your point i do think you're right that Mm -hmm. there's not people are hesitant to get back in a taxi cab or whatever that they need to um or yeah vehicle sharing i don't know not everyone's comfortable with that i'm not yet well and i don't know how you know i you have to be in like an urban area where there's a that infrastructure is very broad like where we are we're in a mid-sized city Mm -hmm. i don't know that there's enough demand that it would be convenient enough um you know if there's only like friggin' three cars to share yeah Yeah. i don't know you know what i mean Yeah.
0: they're booking three months out yeah yeah no the one yaris no one no one could get his hands on it um jeff what's your in case you missed it this week so Anna loves it when I drop
2: these like dad sayings type things. So I love this one's it. this yeah. one's just right for her. It. Okay. Because one of the things that I like to tell my kids is, you have two choices: you can either dwell on the problem or focus on a solution. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think Lego has decided to focus on a solution. Oh. What they are doing is they are taking all of this crappy plastic that I can't pronounce the right name, so I'm just going to call it the PET stuff. PET, yeah. Basically, all those bottles that are not getting recycled properly, end up in the ocean, all of these bad things, they're making Legos out of them. Mm-hmm. They've found a way to basically make the regular size Legos one liter bottle that's like 10 Legos. Excuse yeah. me, no. Yeah, no, 10 10? 2x4 bricks. Yeah. Sorry, I was I, captivated by this story. I thought this was awesome. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, talk about taking, okay, We have this issue. We have the technology to recycle it, but let's go a step further and actually make it a functional product. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's awesome. I think there's endless opportunities here. If they can get this to work right now, they're just in the prototyping stage. It's not a marketable product yet, But, I mean, if you think about how you could recycle this and you think about stuff, charities around holidays, Mm -hmm. things like this that could be available for kids, and it's a Lego, which I think is, like, the best toy ever Mm -hmm. in terms of unlocking creativity, even engineering skills and building and all of the good stuff that comes with it. Um, I just thought this was great
0: um, that this company has decided to go this route. When you talk about focusing on a solution, and they did that, and they put 150 engineers and material scientists on it, They've gone through 250 different iterations of materials because they are very careful with that IP. You know, a mm-hmm. Lego has got to play like a Lego and clutch like a Lego. And uh, so they say why well, they feel like they're close. And I mean, they are r- rigorous in terms of the, they get these, the, uh, the plastic flakes and then they're washed and then they're granulated. You mm-hmm. know, it's, uh, we see some of these, uh, like I think of 3D printers when they were using recycled plastic and you look in the bin and you're just like, Something's gonna jam in there. Um, I think they've been they've been very rigorous, careful, and they still say they're a year out because uh, they can't make them they can't color them yet. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I think this is a great story in terms of sustainability.
1: I love it, and I you know I think we kind of um, this has become more prominent and focused on in the last couple of years. I think, but we kind of glazed over on plastic recycling. I think people. Um, took it at face value that every piece of plastic they could use was equal on some level of recyclability and that it could all be recycled and it was no big deal so people don't cut back on their use because they think, well, they can, you know. Yeah. But it's really not that simple and there's a lot of waste um, in plastic recycling and a lot of um, problems that we've had uh, with those materials. So the fact that a manufacturer is incorporating this into sort of a closed loop system recycling some of the um, you know some of the stuff and trying to make a, a usable product out of it is awesome and I love it
0: yeah Jeff I don't and they're not gonna go broke figuring this out because last year they were worth like more than 7.5 billion well Lego' has been up and down I mean
2: mm-hmm. they did have some struggles but I think in addition to the toys being great I mean all the licensing deals they have for their oh, movies, the and movies and yeah. some of the other cartoons and shows and mm-hmm. stuff which oh, is sure. awesome I mean I th- if there's one company that can capitalize on merchandising and, and licensing everything they have I couldn't happen to a better place, as far as I'm concerned. Is whatever they need to support their efforts is, uh,
0: it's great. I believe they're doing this with Barbie also. Like they're trying to make a recycled Barbie. Oh, I mean. um, but I mean. With young kids we see how fast some of those toys get cashed out. So yeah. if those could be more sustainable I'd feel better about all the arms and limbs around the house.
1: I know. I'll, I'll always buy used, man. Like I just can't
0: <laughs> Oh no, it's I mean that's yeah. the wheelhouse. The uh yeah. is that a bag of cars at a rummage sale? See, yeah. Yeah.
2: You're confusing Barbies with G. I. Joe's. Yeah. G. I. Joe's, yeah. We rip the arms off and He Man guys and stuff. But Barbies, I don't know, tend to stay together. They're still for my girls they were pretty good with them. Yeah, oh, okay. they're okay. pretty Yeah. They oh. don't wrestle Barbies like we did. Oh, no. Like, no. They don't play with
0: Barbies by just smashing them together. Until no, they went. don't
2: throw them out of trees yeah. or slide them down railings.
0: No. What's going on, Mom? Uh, is No, it's just a It's a severe battle royale. If they land on the rock, they win. Exactly. No. <laughs> Jeff, I
1: thought your deadline was to- – I mean, I use a variation of that one myself. So awesome. I support it.
0: <laughs> cool. Uh, we'll do a bonus episode of all of our best deadlines at the time. <laughs> just like – I know you know that was unnecessary. I know you know that. <laughs> right? Just because you can't say your R's right doesn't make it easier for me to process. So adorable, though. <laughs> All right. Mine In Case You Missed It this week. Smart thermostats were being manipulated on unknowing customers. So the energy industry in Texas continues to struggle. There was a cold snap in February that led to blackouts that left millions of citizens without power and as many as 700 deaths part of the problem was that people didn't listen. When ERCOT asked people to turn down the thermostat or turn up the ther- turn down the thermostat and not use appliances, people didn't listen. Now, Texas is in the middle of a heat wave, and ERCOT again is asking residents to conserve energy to relieve the grid, the grid. But again, people didn't listen. And some, understandably so because they had medical reasons, small children, but others didn't get the message or ref- refused to comply. So, a couple of days ago, residents noticed that they were waking up and their smart connected thermostats were turned up. Someone was touch- touching the thermostat and it wasn't loud enough for the dads in Texas to like notice it in their sleep. Mm-hmm. But it was being turned up to like 78, 80 degrees. And it wasn't until after the event that they received an alert saying that it was part of a three hour energy saving event. So the remote access was traced to what was called Smart Savers, Texas. And it's a response program managed by Energy Hub, and which manages multiple grids across the U.S. But people entered this, sometimes unknowingly, as part of a sweepstakes. So they entered a sweepstakes, which put them in the Smart Savers, Texas program. And that's how they had access to their thermostats. So it told me a couple of things. One, what do we get with IoT all the time? Just... Big brother is going to be able to have a finger in everything they do. And this just, Jeff, to me, it is just proof that with connected devices, someone's going to have access to it. Because while this was traced to a program, no matter what, they're accessible. And, you know. Yeah,
2: I'm going to tap into a lot of my creative vocabulary and describing this as just dumb. <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, they screwed up in, in earlier this year already. Okay, yeah. So they've already got... Questionable reputation for the way they manage their resources. And now to do something like this without folks being fully aware of the dynamic, I've been in Houston in the summer. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. you got to tell people if you're going to be messing with their AC. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's no way around that. So for these people to be caught off guard and, yeah, wake up and it's 80 degrees in your house when you set the air conditioning at 10 degrees less than that, mm-hmm. yeah, this is ridiculous. I don't combat the reasoning behind it. But you need to effectively communicate these things yeah. to people so they can participate. Overall, you're going to have a handful of people who just say, hell no, I'm mm-hmm. not doing this. But by and large, if you say, hey, guys, if we don't do this, we're going to have a brownout like California. They're going to figure it out, and they will be reasonable. Mm-hmm. Now, again, that takes communication coordination, and it also takes believing and having some faith in your utility provider, which ERCOT has damaged beyond, yeah. uh all reason, however – the fact that they were doing this remotely, yeah, just a bad
0: decision. Anna, couldn't there be a better way? Where maybe as part of being on the grid, you just agree that if there is an emergency, your your smart uh, your smart thermostat won't go over seventy or won't, you know like uh, or over seventy five. I don't know. There's got to be a better way than. After the fact or in the moment, mm-hmm. changing everyone's thermostats.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about this one because I I want there to be a better way. Mm-hmm. They already asked people to do this and they didn't. Um, so I don't know. I I struggle because like if 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 they're really on the cusp of like maybe a catastrophic event again mm-hmm. and they don't do it, then what's is it a better option that, yeah. to just let? there be a blackout and then how long does it take to fix it? I mean, I don't, I don't.
2: When they do that, though, in California and other places, when they have those rolling brownouts, they tell people. Mm -hmm. Right. No, what
1: I'm saying is like, what if what happened in um, Texas, in in this case, yeah, happened like what happened in in the winter where Mm -hmm. they had no control over it. They just lose control of the grid because they don't have enough power to support the use. Like that's what happened. And so right now they're asking people, please help us. you know, we're at risk of running down again and a bunch of people don't, I don't know. Like I, I agree. It's, there's something skeevy about like somebody being on your thermostat for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think communication could have been better that like, okay, here's a step that we have to take. Um, but maybe they have to take it to prevent something worse from happening. I don't know.
0: But is something like this going to prevent people in the future from getting smart thermostats? I don't know, or other connected devices.
1: I mean, the people that. I think this I is know.
2: more. I think this is more on the utility mm-hmm. than it is the technology. Yeah, I, that's where I think the negative connotation is going to come from. I can appreciate what you're saying, mm-hmm. and, but I think when if you're if you're on board with that technology, you have those altruistic reasons for doing it. Yeah, you're, you're in. You're you're buying into to everything that that's about. What just bothers me so much here is again, there just was no. Communication from the utility saying this is what you have to do, and if you don't, mm-hmm. this is what's going to
0: happen. But so, one of the things that they ask people to do is stop using appliances, also, or use them sparingly. So we always talk about like, why do I need a smart fridge? If you have a smart fridge, and all of a sudden they lock that thing, or you know, uh, they have you have other smart appliances, and
2: they okay. won't work. You just said before you don't want a software company telling you to do better in terms yeah. of securing your device, right? What well, I mean right? You don't want to be told what to do, right? So couldn't you make the same argument here in terms of a smart appliance?
0: Oh, completely agree. I completely agree. It's, it's a very difficult thing for me to kind of unpack because I agree. Like, uh, I think I go to the side of, yeah, I have a smart device. As long as you're not putting my family or me in danger, pump it up to 78. But beforehand, shoot me a text and say yeah. you're going to do it. Yeah. All these people woke up yeah. sweaty and just like, what's going on? And I think that's where the fear and the anger came from. Right. And really, it's how many stories do we wind up covering because communication was the problem. Yeah,
1: yeah there needed to be some sort of alert sent or whatever. I agree.
0: Yeah. If
2: you're smart enough to control the thermostat, I'm pretty sure you can figure out a way to communicate with that individual
0: but it's him right if uh we'll resent there's like a little the little alarm bell icon on the smart thermostat was off and if you <laughs> didn't see that that's your fault um no it's just uh stuff like this fuels those theories that makes adoption that slows adoption i think that's fair mm-hmm. so that's yeah
1: fine. the distrust and yeah. yeah
0: and it's just uh you know, it, it sends you thinking about like what is all connected now. And, you know, what if all of a sudden, you know, the washer and dryer and your dishwasher, stuff like that, what if you went to your appliance and it wasn't working? And yeah, you understand. I mean, it would be freaky. Like, mm-hmm. It would be a little eerie. Um, and then somebody's watching you on your Peloton. I know. Yeah, right. Then you go to like blow off some steam on your Peloton and there's some creep's face up there going, get on.
1: Yeah, it, are we mad at the hacker if he, like, does encourage you to, like, really push it and work out harder? Yeah,
0: what if you build a relationship? Like, he's just a fledgling uh, personal trainer. Yeah. He's just trying to get in the game. He's just-, <laughs> just like, man, I don't know. How how did I find you on this app? Oh, it's uh, it's malware. I installed it. Like, uh,
2: It's how much I care.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> my name's Randy.
0: Right? Ray- oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, well, let's move on to final thoughts, uh, Jeff. What are your final thoughts this week? Final thoughts.
2: Um, but I did not think about this in advance, and it's really kind of biting me now. Mm-hmm. What well, will be mm-hmm. kind of cool, actually, um, we've put the finishing touches on the studio downstairs. I'm looking forward into that. Like yep. this might be the last time we're in this room doing this. Not that anybody can totally tell that, but yeah,
0: um, yeah, really cool investment.
2: Um, by our company. Yeah,
0: for the many people talking about the audio quality, uh, we won't be as close next week, hopefully, if we're in the new office. So uh, that'll improve. And if you're watching the video, uh, you won't get us in the beige set, like the beige room of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have decorative wood instead. Anna, what's your final thought?
1: Yeah. Um, uh... I'm excited too about the new office.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, what I'm excited about is that while we're recording this, everyone else is downstairs moving the office I know,
1: like someone (laughs) is setting my desk up because I am busy. The podcast might take a little bit longer. Yeah, a little bit longer. I'm thinking like maybe do like a quick wrap up. Until the
0: pizza gets here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, No, it was actually, uh, to that point though, it was really cool. Uh, I kind of uh, sent something out on our... um, uh, our Twitter accounts about how on Wednesday it was the most people we had in the office since March 12, 2020. Yeah, And we were all just in the office starting to move things around because we had a little bit more carpeting and stuff to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we got, a, we got a new studio, a new office, a very colorful office. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm excited to get people back in.
1: Yeah, I was talking to my husband um, the other day about like meal planning for when I'm back at the office. And I yeah. was like, all right, I guess we're back to soup out of a box which is super depressing to think about but yeah, yeah that was a nice break while i had it
0: yeah no it's uh, the tupperware is coming back out <laughs> um well i mean my final thought this week was also about the new office but i uh you know having a week off uh getting to go on vacation with the family in the yeah. north woods it was nice to just sit listen to the water be still and get a terrible terrible sunburn on my legs <laughs> turns out that if you're kayaking you are quite exposed to the elements mm-hmm. and uh my skin is still quite fair and i need to continue to apply it's not a one and done application <laughs> so uh we're just we're just past itchy so we're almost usable again
2: just past itchy yeah
0: we're the sunburn heels it, like Good band name hmm? just past itchy just past itchy <laughs> past itchy <laughs> right they're a regional band they do mostly <laughs> midliner um well awesome uh well, before we go, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share the podcast. To email the podcast, you can reach any of us at Jeff, Anna, or David at IEN.com with email the subject and the, uh, email the podcast in the subject line. And if you want to make sure you get it first, subscribe to our daily or weekly newsletters. For Jeff and Anna, I'm David Manti, and this is the Today in Manufacturing podcast. We'll see you next week.
2: Thank you for listening to the Today in Manufacturing podcast.